Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 123 of the Tick Bootcamp Podcast. The title of today's interview is TikTok Natural, an interview with Dr. Susan Eisen. My name is Richard Johannesson. And I'm Matt Sabatello. So Matt, this is a really cool lady who used her tick bite experience and her neurological line, which ultimately triggered anxiety of reinfection into something really positive. She created a natural and organic mosquito and tick repellent so that people could avoid tick bites and tick diseases by using a repellent shield. Rich, what I find most inspiring about Dr. Eisen's Lyme story is the fact that as a doctor with a medical background, she used a combination of Western and Eastern medicine. She used antibiotics and herbs and supplements to treat both the Lyme and also support her immune system and her gut health. And she's now almost 100% better today to run her business and help other people. So Matt, I also find her to be inspirational, but for a different reason. I find her to be an inspiration because what she did, she turned her really bad experience into something positive, and that is a repellent that will protect other people from the terrible and difficult challenges that Dr. Susan had to face. So without any further ado, Matt, I love introducing Dr. Susan Eisen to the Tick Bootcamp community. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Rich. We're blessed to have you. We really can't wait to uh, talk with you about your journey that's led you to TikTok Natural. So let's uh, begin with talking about your background. Susan, where are you from? Um, Well, I was born in Manhattan, New York, and I currently reside in Jersey City, New Jersey. By the way, Dr. Eisen, do you have any objection to me referring to you as Susan during the course of this podcast? Not at all, please. Well, thank you. So, so now that we're friends, Susan, I'd like you to talk to me about what your childhood was like during uh, your time in Manhattan. Well, I actually did not grow up in Manhattan. I lived on Long Island in Nassau County. Um, then we moved out to Illinois outside of Chicago for a while in Skokie. And then unfortunately, my father passed away. So we moved back to the East Coast. Um, coaxed by our family, who is from the Northeast, and landed in northeastern New Jersey. Well, thank goodness you had your time in the Midwest, because you don't sound like either Matt or I. It would be terrible for our listeners if they had to listen to three people with a Long Island accent. Well, that's true. Um, I'm actually an identical twin, and I remember when we were out in Illinois with our very thick New York accents, and I should say Long Island accents, um, uh, saying the Pledge of Allegiance under God and everybody else was under God, (laughs) we were very quick to change and rid ourselves of that accent, I should say. So Susan, talk to us about what your goals were when you were growing up. Um, My actual goals growing up, I was always very artistic, so I was always into drawing and making um, designs for clothing and um, drawing pictures of figures wearing different clothing, so really I was not very uh, medically oriented in that regard. I was just very much creative growing up. So talk to us how you converted your artistic talents into the healing arts. Well, actually, I was studying um, pre-med when I was in school. Of course, I went through all sorts of uh, what do I want to be when I grow up at a certain point. Um, I thought I didn't want to be a medical doctor because I just didn't want to be on call for 24-7, although I was accepted into medical school. Um, I always had a propensity more for natural. Um, I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian. I thought I wanted to be a molecular biologist, which is what I was actually studying before I pivoted to chiropractic actually through my boyfriend at the time who was pushing me in that direction. So why did you feel this call to the healing arts and why did you pivot over to a more holistic or natural approach to the healing arts? Um, I think that I've always been more naturally inclined. Um, If I had a headache and didn't take an aspirin or an Advil, I noticed that often 
the headache would go away anyway on its own. And I just never really felt that pull toward pharmaceuticals. So talk to us about- I can't say why. So, so Susan, talk to us about how your career ultimately developed and uh, where you um, set up your professional shop. So I went to school in Atlanta, back to where my boyfriend was. So, you know, we had planned our life together. And um, so that's what I did. I went down and started studying chiropractic. Although, as I said, after studying um, biochemistry as my undergraduate and just started learning that chiropractic is a lot more than what most people understand. Um, I was learning about nutrition way before anybody even thought nutrition and supplementation was something that had merit. So after you graduated from chiropractic school, um, what did you do? Well, by that time, I was no longer with the boyfriend. So it was a decision as to whether I was going to stay in the Atlanta area or move. I ultimately ended up moving back to New Jersey and opening a practice in Montville, New Jersey. And then about a year later, I opened a practice in New York City because that's where my social structure was. My sister is a fashion stylist. We know a lot of models and actors, and this was just our, you know, group of friends. And so ultimately, I decided to open and practice in New York City. So now talk to us about how you were living your life, meaning you have this background in biochemistry as an undergrad. You have this professional uh, degree as a chiropractor. And what impact did the educational background that you had developed have on the way you were living your life? What was your lifestyle like? Um, my lifestyle obviously was a clean lifestyle. I support eating organic and especially non-GMO food. Um, if one cannot eat uh, completely organic, I feel that having a non-GMO diet actually helps to keep our systems healthier. And in that, I mean our immune systems, as well as our joints, our cardiovascular system, the whole system itself. Um, and so for me, I think being um, on a healthy diet for myself is basically what I've supported. In fact, I do a lot of functional wellness in my own practice helping people to do things like lose weight, you know, improve their gut health, um, et cetera. So now talk to us about how your career was developing and how your business was developing before you began to show the symptoms of what you now know to be your tick disease. Okay. So I, like a lot of people, did not have a great understanding of Lyme disease. I do recall my first introduction to Lyme disease was through a patient who came into my office with upper back pain, sinus issues, TMJ, um, just general feeling unwell and wasn't really sure what was wrong with her. She ultimately went to see a dentist who, in New Jersey who diagnosed her with Lyme disease and she came back to her office visit one day and informed me of this. And that actually was my first introduction to Lyme disease itself. Um, and so then let's, but Susan, let me ask you to focus on that for one second. Um, you, uh, you were born on Long Island. I'm sorry, you were born in Manhattan. You lived on Long Island for some period of your life. You also lived in the Midwest and uh, in Chicago. Uh, and then you came back to the East Coast. And I find it kind of strange to understand how someone who had lived in tick endemic communities for her entire life didn't know anything about ticks. So are you saying that you, you didn't receive any education in school or in any other none, place about, none, about none about ticks or Lyme disease? No. Now, when you went through uh, your undergraduate education in biochemistry and then ultimately your, your, your graduate education in chiropractic, 
did you ever receive any training or information about ticks and Lyme disease? Um, of course, we learned a little bit about um, entomology and epidemiology, but it just didn't register with me. Um, I never had any problems of this sort. I never was unwell or ill. So um, for me, I just was trying to help my patients live their best life. Well, let's talk about you and living your life, Susan, because one of the things that's become pretty clear to me as we're developing this conversation is that because of your undergraduate and then graduate education, you are living your life, life in a particular way so that you would, you would be healthy. And I'm wondering if you incorporated any either Lyme disease um, or tick disease protocols uh, so that you prevent yourself from losing this health that you had been maintaining through your healthy living? I hadn't. Um, you know, as I said, I was just in the dark like so many people. And that's the message that I feel like we have to get out there. Um, you know, that everyone needs to understand that they are vulnerable to developing um, Lyme disease and having their life drastically altered. So let's talk about how your life was altered in a way that you were not aware, in part because you didn't have a strong educational foundation or any products or educational materials available to you to protect yourself from this. So you have this now successful chiropractic business where you have offices in New Jersey and New York City, and you're participating in the healing arts. And um, how does your physical life change as a consequence of what you now know to be your tick disease? Well, suddenly, and this was in about February of 2008, um, I just remember one day um, I was dragging some garbage out from my New Jersey office and I put the bag down and then carried it to the dumpster. I can only presume in thinking back that this is how somehow a tick maybe got on my jacket and crawled all the way up, you know, to the back of my neck. And it was some weeks later that I just noticed I wasn't feeling myself. I was fatigued. I felt like all of a sudden I was walking around with a brain fog, even during the day, like in a cemetery at midnight, just so much intense fog. Um, I started having memory loss, word retrieval difficulties. And it was funny, it was around that time that I started receiving some emails from one of the supplement companies about Lyme disease. And I actually printed out the document and read it. And in the back of my mind, I just kept thinking Lyme disease, Lyme disease. Um, one day I was sitting at my computer and I had an itch on the back of my neck and a scab fell off the back of my neck. And I thought, well, that's odd. And so the next day I asked my assistant if she could look at the back of my neck and she noticed a very light pink rash. I should say her husband had been diagnosed with Lyme maybe two or three weeks prior. Um, on the North Fork, and she said he had the same very mild pink rash, just a wide pink line. And so it was at that point that I understood that I probably had Lyme disease. I went home that night and did about eight hours, maybe not so much, of intense research on the internet, trying to read everything that I could, reading every uh, research um, report that I could, most of which was from abroad, I should say, reading about repellents and all of these things. Um, and so the next day I was working in my New Jersey office and I went to the medical doctor. There was a family practice right next door and I went next door and I told him my problem and asked him, if he could help me um, by getting antibiotics. I should also say that in my 
practice in New York City, I had a bunch of other practitioners in the office and I asked all of them, what should I do? Do I need antibiotics? Oh, I don't really need a lot of antibiotics. And surprisingly, the answer that I got was, you need at least 30 days. So I went in to see this doctor. He gave me a prescription, mostly based clinically and the fact that I was myself a health professional. So he wrote me a prescription for two weeks of doxycycline, and then I went about my way. Um, that weekend, I filled a prescription. I was going to get my hair cut. I, at the time, was going to Suite 303 in the Chelsea Hotel, and I went uh, because, actually, the owner was a patient of mine, and she asked how I was, and I said, well, I have Lyme disease, and then all of a sudden, uh, a man across the room started telling a story about the life of a tech, and I looked across and realized that it was Matthew Modine. So we started speaking a little bit more, and he told me his story of having Lyme disease. He owns property up in, I believe, Dutchess County. Um, and so I like to say everything I learned about Lyme disease was through Matthew Modine, who himself told me that when he went to his doctor, or I should say he was acting a little nutty and his wife called the doctor to the house and uh, he said, yep, he has Lyme disease and wrote a prescription for 45 days of doxycycline. Um, then Matt and his wife thought, well, gee, that's excessive. So he went to his doctor in New York City who said, oh, no, you just need 21 days of antibiotics. And then he called his upstate doctor who said, well, I work with these suckers every day in the week, and I'm telling you, it, it takes 45 days to kill these suckers. And so that impressed me greatly, knowing that I had 14 days of antibiotics, and what was I going to do next? Um, and so fast forward, I went back to my doctor after I was almost finished with the 14 days, and almost had to arm wrestle him to get my extra seven days. You know, he was showing me the Merck formulary where he said, well, see, one 500 milligram doxycycline is all you need for Lyme disease. And I thought, well, yeah, maybe if, that's, if you have a tick in your neck. And basically, I just went on my way, you know, and tried to consider how am I going to now get the additional um, some 20 days that I needed or 25 Susan, days. Susan, at this time when you first started the antibiotics and you got that two-week prescription from your doctor, did you experience any side effects or symptoms when you started the doxycycline? Not at all. I was very early in my Lyme journey. I probably got bitten somewhere around the end of February, beginning of March, um, middle of March, I'm guessing. And I started my antibiotics in April. And did you have any other symptoms or uh, signs that you had Lyme disease aside from the rash that you found? Well, I had profound fatigue. Um, as I said, I had found brain fog, um, as well as I was ex sleeping excessively, and I had word retrieval loss, or and all of a sudden, I had inability to spell words. As doctors, we have to do a lot of writing of patient notes and what have you, and reporting, and it was then even that I noticed that I couldn't spell medical words. And, and that's when I realized, you know, just how profound neurological Lyme is. But for me, I had a very strong strain of neurological Lyme and it came on like a tsunami. Um, but I was a diagnostician. So for me, I just looked at my symptoms and it was just a job for me to overcome this because 
I understood that Lyme disease, like any other illness um, that is an infectious illness, with the right medication or treatment, you can overcome it. So you clearly had a very, a very bad case of neurological Lyme that was very aggressive, and yet you were only prescribed two weeks of doxycycline, which we know is not going to cure your neurological Lyme disease. So as you did your research and you started to speak to others and friends about your experiences and their experiences, you then had to fight to get the additional seven days beyond the two weeks that you were initially prescribed. So how did you proceed next to get additional treatment? You did get your seven days. I'll be honest. I called a doctor that I refer a lot of patients to, and I begged him to write me a prescription, which he did. Was that only for the seven days or was that a longer period at that point? Oh, no. I got an extra 30 days. So in, in total, how long were you on antibiotics for at that point, once you finished the prescription prescribed by your friend who uh, you knew in the community? I took a total of 51 days of doxycycline. I, I should say I also strongly dairy restricted. I did not have dairy three hours prior to my dose, three hours post-dose. In the middle of the day, I would just, you know, get as many probiotics in as I could, and I would take probiotics at that point. Um, And I was very strict about my dosing. I made sure to take my doxycycline at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. every day for 51 days. Susan, with your medical background, you did these things because you knew they would help you have a higher rate of success with doxycycline. So can you explain to our listeners why the things you just described are so important when taking doxycycline? Um, I feel it's very important to maintain good gut health and obviously doxycycline is a very strong antibiotic, which is the rationale for most doctors and the CDC to refuse allowing long-term doxy treatment. And you knew that you had to do things to keep your immune system healthy and your gut health healthy while you were on this 50-day course of doxycycline. So you were taking these measures to keep your body healthy while on the doxycycline. Absolutely. So when did you start to see improvements in your overall health, your neurological symptoms, your cognitive symptoms? What, at what point of the treatment course did you start to see relief in your symptoms? Um, it was probably halfway in. And one thing I forgot to say is just how... OCD I became. It was crazy. I could not leave my house in the morning and convince myself that I locked the door um, or that I shut the coffee machine off or the flat iron. Um, It was crazy. And I was laughing at myself. Um, But again, I didn't own my symptoms. I just looked at it as symptoms of a disease. But I would say that I did start to see some improvement probably halfway through, but I still wasn't feeling quite myself and I did still have the brain fog or the fog, the visual fog that I could see through my eyes. And so I was very committed to taking the full dosage. Many people and I would that say by the end of my treatment, I was feeling very much better. So Susan, many people that we've interviewed in the past have described having mental health related issues with Lyme disease. So do you think that your OCD traits were just a symptom of your neurological Lyme disease? They absolutely were because as soon as my Lyme disease passed or improved or became manageable, my OCD disappeared and it hasn't returned. So what made you decide to do the antibiotics for 50 days? Was it a limitation of what your your doctor friend was willing to prescribe? Was it because you were feeling better? Or was it based on your research that you felt this was an adequate time period to fully get rid of Lyme disease and help you feel better? Well, knowing what Matthew Modine had told me about um, initial onset Lyme, which I was in the acute phase, and that 45 days were necessary, I guess I felt that 51 days were adequate. And if you had to think back to provide a hack for people that are currently going through doxycycline treatment, what would you recommend to our listeners that they do to keep themselves healthy while taking such a strong antibiotic like doxycycline? 
Well, I would recommend everyone take probiotic um, with a, a good prebiotic. One thing that I hear through my patients who sometimes go on antibiotic therapy for different illnesses, not necessarily Lyme, is that their doctors are telling them not to take probiotics while they're on antibiotics. That, that just sounds completely outrageous from our standpoint because we know yeah. probiotics and are, are also necessary. they're not telling them to they're telling them they can take antibiotics with a glass of milk and milk basically reduces the efficacy of antibiotics as does any dairy product. you mentioned that earlier susan that you would take your doxycycline you know three hours after consuming dairy and there were some other things you mentioned about taking doxycycline at the exact same time every morning and every night so why is that important you mentioned that the dairy could decrease the effectiveness of the doxycycline but why is it so important to take it consistently at the same time every morning and every night well i feel that you know we're dealing with a very smart bacteria borrelia burgdorferi and you know we need to make sure that we are consistent with the amount of uh, antibiotic that's being perfused through our bodies so this is something that a lot of people are not really adherent to they'll take their two doses but maybe they're not taking their medications at the same time every day and i think consistency is essential so when you finished this 50 days of doxycycline, would you say you were 100% recovered at that point or 80%? Where do you think you were with your health when you finished this course of treatment? I think at that time I was feeling pretty much 100%. I do have high energy. So uh, even when I was at my sickest, I was still working every day. I didn't stop working at all. Um, so I, I guess for me, that is based on the fact that I was healthy and living a very healthy lifestyle prior to being bitten. And so I would say to everyone, your listeners and their family and friends, everyone should consider living a healthy lifestyle regardless of whether they have a state of illness, chronic or otherwise. Now, this was about 12 years ago. So from the time you finished your 50 days of doxycycline to the present date, did any symptoms return? Did you have any other health-related issues that could have been correlated to your Lyme disease? Or have you been 100% better ever since that treatment? I, the one thing I noticed, and um, I started having visual acuity problems over time. I've always been myopic. I inherited that from my dad. So I've been wearing contact lenses and glasses for most of my life. Um, but I started noticing that there was like a grayness of my vision and started developing floaters. But over time, it seemed that they got worse. Um, so were and you seeing I think any doctors at this point? I wasn't, okay. but one day I went in for, so to get my visual vision checked and my optometrist, I guess he gave me too strong of a, a contact lens prescription. And I, in my mind, thought that's what started the uh, floaters from happening, but it just seemed to worsen. And it was then that I learned about um, Borrelia hiding up in the vitreous humor inside your eyeballs. And also, I should say that in 2015, I did get bitten by a spider in my bed. So I had a second uh, time of being bitten. Not by a tick, so this time it was by a spider. So Susan, I want to go back to the, the fact that you said Lyme can hide out, I think, in your eyes, right? So do you believe that at this yes. point, the Lyme was never fully eradicated or removed from your body and that it was I hiding do. in various parts of your body like your eyes? I do believe that. Many of us in the Lyme community, and as Ali Hilfiger once said to me, you know, do we ever really get cured from Lyme disease? 
And that's, that's a little bit scary. That's a scary thought. But I think, Susan, that with your lifestyle and your medical background, many people believe that you can go into remission and stay in remission with a proper lifestyle and live a symptom-free life, which is promising for many people that are listening to this. And I think you're living proof of somebody who is living a symptom-free life and in remission because of your lifestyle. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. I think that severe stress sometimes can bring on symptoms, but for the most part, I'm absolutely living a symptom-free life. Susan, talk to us more about this spider bite that you had. Were there any symptoms or rashes or any sort of health-related issues that could have been overlapped with Lyme at this point, or was this just another uh, bump in the road in your health journey over time? I had no symptoms whatsoever, and by that time, I was already involved with Global Lyme Alliance. I worked on their benefit committee. I had great knowledge of Lyme disease and the symptoms associated. So at that point, I just took the attitude that I would wait and see. I didn't have a spider to have tested anywhere, just a bunch of spider bites um, in one area. And it really actually took about two and a half years before I started feeling migratory joint pain. I was having burning of my, the soles of my feet. And that's when I realized, well, here we go again. You know, it's a milder version. I didn't have any neurological symptoms whatsoever at that point. Um, but I, at that point, opted to start using a more holistic uh, protocol for treating that, those symptoms. So before we get into your returning symptoms and your holistic approach to heal rather than your original antibiotic approach to heal, you mentioned that you had some discussions with Allie Hilfiger and now you're, you were involved in the Global Lyme Alliance and you're having conversations with some of the world leaders with Lyme disease. So based on, you know, obviously your medical background, you're a very smart individual and now your relationships with these really leading Lyme organizations, could you think of any one or several tips that you can give to our listeners based on your experience and conversations and involvements with these organizations? Uh, well, for me, it's all about prevention and um, something that I did myself after having Lyme and um, being introduced to Allie through one of my patients who was a publicist in New York City, um, my my problem was that I became extremely phobic of walking in the grass. So that's when I uh, had formulated this idea that I would develop a preventative product, which was a, a uh, ultimately an insect repellent, organic insect repellent. So Susan, we're going to get there, and Rich will talk to you more about your excellent tick prevention product that you've developed. But I want to go back to your, your new and returning symptoms and how you decided to treat them with a holistic approach. And now there was no neurological symptoms. There were more just migratory pain. Um, you had arthritic symptoms. So when these symptoms returned, was there anything going on in your life? Were you stressed? Were you not sleeping enough? Was your diet not good? Was there any trigger, do you think, in your life at this point that caused the Lyme to present itself again with these symptoms? You know, I would say it was very interesting. At the time, I was um, in the process of not being given a lease extension or losing my lease in my New York office. So, and I had already been starting to work with Lyme patients and discovered some very interesting products and protocols through the companies that I work with. Um, very particular about the supplements that I work with, and I will only work with companies that are organic and non-GMO, and that have the most, um, I guess, research-based science behind their products and pro pro proprietary blends. So I had a patient who was tested and came back positive for Lyme. Um, I started, I was going to put him on a protocol from Standard Process and MediHerb, if I can say, 
And yes. basically, um, the products were on back order, and I found another product through a company that I like to work with, which is DaVinci Labs. And so I ordered this product just to get him started. It's an immune-boosting myotake mushroom serum, and just to kind of reboot his T and B cell lymphocytes and reactivate the immune system, which we all know Lyme disease attacks the immune system dramatically. So I started him on that. Then I put him on the pulsed protocol of other medicinal herbs. And I noticed every time he was, you know, intermittent to the protocol and I put him back on the mushroom serum that it was almost like the lights went on and he seemed to respond much more effectively. So that was something that I took note of. That was prior to my symptoms. And I have treated... Sorry, just just want to interrupt for real quick. So it seems like that that from what I'm hearing at the acute phase, you believe that antibiotics are a good choice. But once you're beyond the acute phase, you, you're more focusing on an immune boosting and a holistic body approach to get your body strong to sort of combat and keep the Lyme at bay. Is that, is that what I'm hearing from you? Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Um, a lot of my patients have chronic Lyme. And so obviously we're working to restore their immune health. Um, although I will be working with a patient who was newly diagnosed with Lyme disease, and I act, and he is taking doxycycline. Um, as well, I'm not sure if he's taking the probiotics. We're just getting started, but I will be putting him on the myotake mushroom serum actually, even though he is initial to care. I'm not sure that taking um, a cocktail, a huge cocktail of different medicinal products is always the best thing. Sometimes it's better to just let the body, you know, and the liver be able to deal with, you know, the a few items rather than a variety. So... You're going to have to get back to me. I'll have to get back to you on that, um, I would say. But I do feel that for chronic Lyme, um, herbal and holistic protocols are excellent. Now, what did you do, Susan, when you now had these returning symptoms, you had some life stressors going on, and you took this holistic approach? Aside from these, uh, I'm probably going to butcher the, 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 uh, pronunciation, but these mushrooms, I won't even try to say them, but these mushrooms and other uh, immune boosting herbs that you were doing, what else did you do to treat your returning Lyme disease? Well, at the time, as a holistic doctor, I routinely take um, a number of supplements just for my own wellness every day to include um, 5,000 milligrams of vitamin D3. I take K2 and some A all in a preparation. I take um, a product. I I have some seasonal allergies. So I take a product that has quercetin and stinging nettle in it, which is very good for, um, it's a very good antioxidant for the brain as well as respiratory um, system and some other things as well. Probiotics. So I, I do routinely take all of these. And when I started taking the myotake mushroom serum, that actually was the only thing that I added um, to the protocol. I should say I also do take rhodiola. I think it's a very good adaptogen. Um, and so that's something I do every day as well. So talk to us what, what an adaptogen and when I started, is. Pardon? Can you talk to us what an adaptogen is? We know it's a type of herb, but what exactly is an adaptogen? Well, an adaptogen is, you know, something that will actually help to balance your system. For example, rhodiola or any adaptogen is very good for the adrenal glands. Um, What that means is that if your adrenal, if you have high cortisol, it will actually 
bring your cortisol down to a more balanced or if you have low cortisol, it will bring it up to the level that it should be, you know, same with all of the adrenal hormones. Um, I should also say, for me, I was dealing with some issues related to my thyroid. And I don't know if that was Lyme related, but when I started taking the myotaki mushroom serum, which, as I said, reboots the immune system, it also detoxifies the liver um, and helps with the adrenals. All of these things kind of work in synergy, and I lost about 20 pounds. So it's an excellent product. But within three weeks of taking the Maitake mushroom serum, all of my, the burning at the, the soles of my feet, and whether it was from Bartonella or Lyme, you know, I would have thought it was a symptom of Bartonella, but according to Neil Spector, it's also a symptom of Lyme disease. You know, the, these symptoms completely vanished. So and I like was returned back to my, and as well, let me add, all of my floaters were improved by 90% or better. So it seems like the maitake mushrooms really helped reboot your immune system, detox your liver, and then the, some of these, these adaptogenic herbs actually helped you with, some of our guests have described these feelings of being stuck in fight or flight mode. So do you think that the, the adaptogenic herbs and some of those herbal supplements would help our listeners, if they feel they have this fight or flight mode constantly going on in their lives? Absolutely. I'm sure that the Borrelia is affecting every organ in our bodies. As we know, they can swim in and out in between, you know, ourselves and they're doing harm, you know, all along. And so the most important thing that I think we can do is just strengthen our organs to be able to fight these very smart, bacteria. So after these symptoms subsided, it seems like you've been living a relatively symptom-free life since then up until the present date. Is that accurate? Absolutely. Once in a while, I'll have um, a return of symptoms. As I said, stress-induced. Certainly, the pandemic hasn't helped any of us, and um, it seems like a lot of people in the community are having a return of symptoms out of remission. But um, as I said, for myself, I've put together an amazing protocol that I prescribe both for my patients and take myself. And it, it does the trick. Along with healthy eating, uh, organic, um, I would say mostly vegan, dairy-free. So Susan, let's talk about some of the other things that you've developed to try to protect people from suffering from Lyme disease. It's our understanding that um, your experience both as an undergraduate and now um, as, uh, as a uh, professional chiropractor and then going on your Lyme disease journey took you in a direction where you're now producing products to help people uh, protect themselves from Lyme. Yes, as I said before, when I developed Lyme and treated and went into remission, if you will, um, I was left with an overwhelming phobia of walking in the grass. I just didn't want to step off the sidewalk. And for me, that meant um, with my knowledge and understanding based on all of the research that I read, that I had to do something to help prevent myself, my family, all of my loved ones and everyone else out there from ever getting bitten by a tick or a bug or a mosquito and developing an illness that could chronically alter their life. Um, and so I had done my research and I came up with a formula of um, this insect repellent, but I didn't really act on it. And, you know, one day, probably, you know, sometime in about 2011 or 12, I, I just realized that I had to do something. I finally was able to reach out to a patient of mine through her sister who came into my office and 
that's when, as I said, within, well, maybe I didn't mention it, except in our pre-discussion, that my patient introduced me within three days to Ali Hilfiger to tell her about a product that I was developing. We all met in their um, uh, office and started to discuss, you know, the formation of this product. And so Ali was there from the beginning and she didn't formulate the product, but she kind of gave me my her blessing to every step of the way, how the product smelt, felt, you know, the branding of it. Um, and she also brought me into um, working with Global Lyme Alliance. And for many years, I was on the benefit committee working with um, Diane and Donna and um, Shelley Terry. I don't, I don't know if you know anyone from Global Lyme Alliance, um, but I actually got started when it was still Lyme Research Alliance or even prior um, and then to Global Lyme Alliance. And of course they've grown and um, you know, we've not really gone in other directions, but you know, there's many more Lyme foundations, but at any rate, so I developed this product and brought it to the marketplace. So you've had a brush with fame both during your diagnostic journey and now during your transformation where you first met Matthew McConaughey when you were going for a doctor's visit and now... Oh, Matthew Modine. I'm sorry, Matthew Modine. And then you had... I would love uh, to meet Matthew McConaughey though. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he's the next... Uh, maybe he's the next... Uh, uh, actor you're going to meet, but then you met uh, then you met uh, Ali Hilfinger, and uh, and she's uh, been a part of this really cool journey you're on now, where you're now trying to produce a natural product. So why don't you talk to us about why you decided to develop a natural product rather than recommending people using products like permethrin or DEET or Picardin? Well, again, it falls within my um, commitment to using organic healthy products that includes personal care products. Um, I, I took a look at all of the products that were out there that were natural and I thought, well, okay, they have some of what they need, but maybe they, you know, had um, different oils in them that were very sticky. I tried using them and I just felt very uncomfortable, like I wanted to just run and take a shower to wash it off. And so I think it's important to appeal to um, the consumer with a product that they're going to like the smell of, the feel of, and that it effectively works. And with TikTok Naturals, we've accomplished all of that. It smells great and it works for up to I want to say four hours. Actually, I have anecdotal evidence that it actually works longer if you apply it right out of the shower. And the way that it's used is just like any body lotion or moisturizer. In fact, many people will use it instead of a body moisturizer out of the shower because it does have grapeseed oil, which is um, hydrophilic and which is opposite of all of the other products out there in the marketplace. They're mostly all using oils that are hydrophobic. And so they say, okay, well, they're waterproof. But in reality, I've been told by mothers that their kids could be wearing TikTok and jumping in and out of the pool and it's still on their skin because it's hydrophilic and it, it, it almost makes it adhere to the skin better. Um, and so for me, it was about marrying, you know, a good carrier oil with the organic essential oils that, you know, would repel the insects, whether they be ticks or mosquitoes or noceums or spiders or what have you. So can you talk to us about whether or not this is a shield product that you would use on your clothing, on your skin. So for example, if 
if, uh, if somebody was using permethrin, they wouldn't use that on their skin. Um, they would only use that on their clothing or on their shoes. And then, there, of course, there are other products that you would be using on your skin. So you can talk about your product and whether or not it's something that should yes. only be used on the I'm skin. I'm all or... for the use of permethrin on blankets and towels and sheets um, for all manner of um, bugs, if you will, you know, and um, using it on, you know, shoes and clothing. Um, but for use on skin, many people will use DEET products. And I don't know this to be true, but I've been told by people that they've seen friends, hunters, spray their clothes with deep products. And in the morning, they would just be soaked with kicks. And so that, that's what gives one for pause. But, um, you know, for applying on the skin, I, I think that obviously a natural product, but also a product that works is essential, you know, to the um, toolbox, if you will, of protecting yourself against um, any kind of tick bites or spider bites or bites. I will say that because the TikTok naturals is applied to, you know, by rubbing it on your hands and all over your body, you can actually then apply it or brush it over your clothing or apply it over your shoes it won't melt the shoes like a deep product might do. But for me, it's just all about making sure that those ticks stay away. So Susan, if folks wanted to um, purchase your product from you, how would they go about locating it? Well, we, we used to be on, we do sell in stores in different areas. Um, and we used to be on uh, Amazon, but lately, and especially because of the pandemic, we're mostly just processing through our website, which is tiktoknaturals.com. We also have candles, I should say, and I don't know if I should bring, you know, the pandemic and COVID into this. I did read some anecdotal evidence just the other day, um, there was a small study done on the British militia that lemon eucalyptus can have some sort of effect on COVID or preventing COVID. So I've been telling people that they can utilize our candles. We have these lovely coconut wax um, lemon eucalyptus candles, but um, I don't, I can't say that the spray actually anecdotally does, but I do wear it every day or and whenever I'm outside. And, and I can say that I have not gotten a tick or mosquito bite um, in so many years. Thank you for listening to the Tick Bootcamp interview with our TikTok Naturals guest, Dr. Susan Eisen. To our listeners, we have a call to action. First, if you'd like to learn more about Dr. Susan Eisen and her tick disease journey, please visit our Instagram pages at TikTok Naturals and Dr. Sue Eisen. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of the Tick Bootcamp podcast, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of the post. Third, Tick Bootcamp has created a Tick by Blueprint that has been inspired by the information that has been shared with us by past podcast guests. We urge you to visit our website at www.tickbootcamp.com to view the blueprint. Please note that we would appreciate any input or improvements you would like to share with us. Fourth, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify to get your automatic episode updates of our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, please take a minute to leave us a review or a rating on iTunes or our podcast website. Thank you for listening.